Uh, let me just say it again. Happy Thanksgiving. It was uh, Thursday. Who, who ate enough? Uh, who, who had two meals to go to or two different family celebrations, at least two on Thursday? All right, yeah, we, we did. Um, and then my dad's side of the family, we got our Christmas get-together over with on yesterday, on Saturday. So, man, we're, we're loving this holiday time. Um, but uh, it was great. I, I know my little nephew, um, not even three months old yet, uh, was passed around to a lot of Pippins yesterday. And, uh, you know, bless his heart, he, he's been up in Virginia for a couple of days prior, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure Cam is, is glad to be home. Um, so, uh, so that's that. Um, but yeah, Thanksgiving was great. Uh, on the count of three, I just want you to shout out your favorite food item, whether it's a savory or, or dessert or, or whatever the case may be. Uh, shout it out to me that you had this week. So one, two, three. <laughs> all right. Um, I, I, I heard pie at the end of all that. Um, so, all right. But hey, speaking of food, uh, Wednesday night this week, we will be meeting uh, the 29th uh, this Wednesday. Uh, we have two more this calendar year, uh, this Wednesday and then the 6th of December. Um, and Sarah Crocker told me it was going to be Sarah's surprise uh, this week. She says she's been thinking about uh, food a lot this past week. And uh, she, she doesn't know, but uh, it's going to be Sarah's surprise this Wednesday. So make sure you sign up uh, back there in the lobby. Um, also, speaking of the 6th, December 6th, so our youth group, Real Student Ministries, they will be having uh, a Christmas party separate uh, from the studies and everything that night. So uh, the kids, Seth is going to be getting pizza, I think chicken nuggets, chips, you know, a bunch of good stuff for kids. Good stuff for us too. Uh, but uh, good stuff for kids uh, on that Wednesday nights. But theirs is going to be separate. Like they're going to have a separate thing that evening. Okay, so I, I just wanted to make sure um, everyone was aware of that. Um, but, uh, all right, let's go. Uh, so in just a little bit, uh, we'll be looking at Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17 and uh, verses 11 through 19. Luke 17, 11 through 19, if you want to go ahead and turn to that. Uh, that's where we'll be. So... All right, so we're finishing up uh, a series today called what? Gratitude, that's right. And uh, I hope you guys have enjoyed it as much as I have. Uh, you know, going back to last Sunday, as I was wrapping up the message last Sunday, I mentioned how I feel like these sermons have been great reminders of things that all of us, including me, that we need to do. If we just live lives full of gratitude, we can be fundamental. We can be the opposite of the one that grumbles. Uh, we can, hey, speaking of which, uh, Aaron and I were just browsing through some uh, movies on the fire stick, and uh, we saw grumpy old men up there. I was like, man, I, I just related to that sermon a couple weeks ago. Um, but anyway, we probably need to go back and watch it again. It's been a long time. But, uh, and, and finally, if we add an attitude of gratitude, we can be united with those that we come across. You know, I talked about that last week. Um, 
So today, or, or this week, we gather one more time to explore a powerful theme that resonates through the passages of Scripture, through the passages of our Bible, and echoes in the chambers of our hearts. We are looking at gratitude one more time today, this week, and how it's, uh, how it's transformative, transformative force leads us to the fullness of life. How the force of gratitude leads us to a fullness of life. So the big idea this week is uh, gratitude is an essential ingredient on the journey to a fullness of life, to fullness of life, to the abundant life promised in Christ. Let me read that one more time. Gratitude is an essential ingredient on the journey to fullness of life, to the abundant life promised in Christ. Speaking of Christ, uh, let's look at an event from Jesus's earthly life today. Uh, this particular event ends with a shocking one-liner, uh, <clears throat> which leaves the reader, maybe you and I, it leads the reader wondering, what exactly does Jesus mean when he says this? So as I said earlier, we're going to be in the Gospel of Luke uh, this morning, chapter 17. And uh, right now we're going to take a look at verses 11 through 19. All right, this is what it says. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. We talked about the relationship between Jews and Samaritans last week. But Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Looking at that last verse, in other versions or translations of the Bible, uh, this, verse, uh, this verse reads like this. In the ESV version of the Bible, uh, it, it says, And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. In the NCV version of the Bible, it says, Stand up and go your way. You are healed because you believe. And finally, the NLT version of the Bible, New, New Living Translation, it says, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. You know, upon reading this, uh, we cannot help but wonder, uh, was the man not healed before? What about the others, the other nine lepers? Weren't they healed as well? Or, we, we may ask questions of this nature, was, was the healing not permanent? Did Jesus only offer temporary healing in this case? Is Jesus speaking of physical healing here, or is he talking about something else, something more? Or, 
And there's, this is the third or, so keep track of that. Okay. Um, we may also wonder here, is Jesus implying that healing is not a one-step process? Is Jesus implying that? In order to understand this passage from Luke and, and to what Jesus is in, inferring to here, we have to jump back. Uh, let's go back to that passage and look at a few uh, of the earlier verses, starting with uh, verse 15. Uh, so let me read it one more time. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And, he, and again, he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. So here Jesus is pretty shocked. He, he's shocked here when, uh, how, many, how many were there originally of the lepers? Ten. How many came back? One. He, he was shocked. So I want you to say the word shocked. He was shocked. He actually wonders why the others, why the other nine did not come back and do the exact same thing as the one did, as the Samaritan did. The answer is found once again in our special word, a word that we have looked at at least once every week throughout this series. And we'll get to that special word here shortly. But there, there was only one leper who fully received God's grace and offered it back with thanksgiving and also with praise. Only one accepted the free gift, and here is that word. It's charis. Do you remember that word? And the former leper offered it back in the very same way. So he had charis. He offered it back, too. My friends, the Bible is filled with the word charis and the word eucharistia. You remember that from the first week? Uh, and, and also, you know, both of these words, charis and eucharistia, they mean grace, grace, and even more grace. That's what those two fancy words mean. So one leper returned to his Savior. One leper returned to his Savior to express his thankfulness, to express his gratitude. The other nine offered nothing to their Savior. And in return, the other nine missed out on true healing, which is salvation. They missed out on that. Thinking about salvation or our belief in Jesus, uh, let's look at how thanksgiving is an extension of our belief in Jesus. Thanksgiving is an extension of our belief in Jesus. What we see here in this passage, in this uh, passage from Luke, is a replica of other events and teachings that we can find in the Bible. It is the theology, uh, theology, uh, theolo Man, someone help me out this morning. Theology. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, I think it's still the turkey. Um, but uh, but it's, a, it's a theology of God's grace, which is accepted through the practice of Eucharistia via belief, via the belief that we can have in Jesus Christ. We see that the lepers fully believe that they are healed. They see their healing they feel their healing. They believe that they were healed. 
and they go to the priest as Jesus told them to do to show it, to show that they were healed. But instead of showing their belief to Jesus, for Jesus, and in Jesus, they show it to others without saying something like, thank you. They're just so excited that they are healed, that they don't go back to the one that actually did it. They went and showed it to other people without even saying thanks. But, my friends, one leper, say one, one leper, he got it. He turned back. He fell on his knees. He confessed his belief in Jesus through thanksgiving and also praise. And this guy, this one leper, showed Jesus that he had received God's grace. This leper, he not only believed that he was healed and and received the actual healing from his leprosy, but by his actions, we, we read that he believed in the one that healed him. His thanksgiving for his healing was a confession and an affirmation of his belief in Jesus. You know, this, uh, this sort of kind of reminds me of, of a relative of mine. Um, I, I have this uncle, and this one uncle, he, he didn't really enjoy going and doing the church thing, uh, going and, and, you know, sitting and being a part of a, a worship service like we're in this morning or, or praising Jesus and, and that sort of thing. But this particular uncle of mine had uh, some heart issues. And uh, after his second, maybe third heart attack, um, my, my uncle, he was like, uh, I, I, his priorities changed. Let me just say that. So he was praising Jesus that he was still around after two or three heart attacks. Um, But after that, he was going, he was worshiping, he was praising Jesus like he should have been doing all along. But, uh, man, you know, sometimes it it, it takes something like that for you to get your priorities in order. And we're thankful that my uncle survived this other heart attack to know what he should be doing. Uh, I was actually telling one of you about this particular uncle of mine. I think it was Donna uh, a few weeks ago. Um, but, uh, but we're so thankful that he is still around and he praises Jesus uh, as he should have before. But, uh, but anyway, uh, although our Bible passage uh, today doesn't directly state that the other lepers were not made well through their faith. It is implied in the passage. The nine responded with their lips, but the one responded with his heart. We tend to shy away from the word atheism sometimes. Uh, In in today's church, is an old school word that fails to resonate because the word is heavy with irony. By definition, atheism is, is to not believe in God. However, to not believe in something is, 
Let me read that again. However, to not believe in something by its nature implies you actually do believe in something. You believe in not believing. That's like an old school theological riddle there. Okay. Um, It's kind of like, and this is extra today. It's kind of like, you know, you're not, you're not a fan of a team, but you keep up with that certain team and you're like, Oh, I thought you weren't a fan, but how do you know all this? It's kind of like that, you know, uh, atheism there. Um, Anyway, uh, I'll continue. Um, (laughs) Atheism of the heart is is to know of God and to choose not to glorify him as God. It is to accept his grace, his healing, his provision, his goodness, everything that God does, but never acknowledge those things that they come from his almighty hand. Okay? In an atheistic heart, there is no obligation to show a response for what God has freely given every single person. There may be a belief in a God who freely gives. There may be an acceptance of his gifts even, but there is no expressive response to the gifts that God blesses us with. Again, think about the nine lepers. They might have had this thought. Oh, the bulls that have overcome my body may be removed as a free gift, but I will not acknowledge in my heart who did the healing or even offer a response. You almost wonder what was going through their minds as they rushed off. They went and showed the priests like Jesus told them to do. But what was going through their minds afterwards. So this morning we looked at atheism of the heart, but let's look at atheism of life itself. A few Bible passages expound on an atheistic heart, like one particular passage found in Paul's letter to the Romans. Let's look at Romans chapter 1 and uh, verses 20 through 23 there. Romans chapter 1 Verses 20 through 23. It says, uh, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. So here in Romans, we read that there is no excuse for not recognizing the work and wonders of God in the world and also in our lives. To do so is to choose an atheistic heart and live an atheistic life. It is to receive God's mercies and refuse God the thanks that he truly uh, should receive. 
or he does deserve. As it says in that passage that we just looked at, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile or worthless in their thinking and their foolish hearts, it says, were darkened. How did their atheistic lives mimic their atheistic hearts? They did not honor God or give thanks. They chose to receive and respond. They chose not to receive and respond to the grace of God. Therefore, they exchanged God's grace for backward lives, full of sin and also full of pain. Let's continue uh, there in Romans 1, starting in verse 24. And we're going to read through uh, verse 32. Uh, again, Romans 1, 24 through 32. Uh, Therefore, God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Verse 26 says this, Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in them in themselves the due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind, so that they do not, uh, so that they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanders. God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous uh, decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do those very things, but they also approve of those who practice them. Sounds a lot like our world, right? But from all that, it sounds like an atheistic life trades in an attitude of gratitude in for our me, mine, and myself mindset, doesn't it? Living a life without gratitude is to choose not to practice our faith and become a petri dish for sin. My friends, there there are so many sins that people choose. We just read a bunch of them. Maybe, and and I'm going to remind you of some, maybe we ourselves choose these kinds of sins. Some that were on on that list and maybe some of these too. Again, spite, pride. Do we choose these? Opportunities to participate in evil. Envy. Do we participate in hate? Deceit. Malice, whispering, or grumbling? Do we participate in gossiping? 
the hatred of God's ways in his people? Do we participate in slander and simply no love for our fellow man or our neighbor? But on another hand, if we live a life of gratitude, the fruits of the Spirit should just flow through us and just through the, the way that we are, the people that we are. Let's look at that famous passage from Galatians chapter 5 that talks about the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, picking up in verse 22, in, verse, uh, in chapter 5 in Galatians. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such thing there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. Let's look at the last verse there one more time. It says, those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh, everything that we are, this human body, with its passions and with its desires. We have crucified that. If we belong to Jesus, that's what we should do. A believing heart has crucified the passions of the flesh and lives out the sweet mercies that only God himself can provide. Where does crucifying the passions and desires of the flesh begin? It begins with a response of gratitude to God for his mercies, for the grace that he rains down or pours down on us that, my friends, that none of us deserve. From this place of gratitude to God, we find a strength to choose God above us, above ourselves. We find a strength to distaste things not of God or from God. And we find a strength, a desire for God's gifts in our lives through those fruits of the Spirit that we just looked at. You know, as, as we close this morning, how is your life looking? Take a moment right now and just look at your life. Assess your life. I'm about to read some questions. And don't think about your spouse or your child or, or just your family in general. Just think about you right now, okay? Here are the questions. Have any of the sins, maybe the ones even mentioned today, taken root in your life? Do you regularly receive God's grace? And in return, do you practice this thing that we've been talking about for four weeks now? Do you practice gratitude? Does your life, does your personal life resemble an atheistic or a believing heart? Friend, if you are feeling the Holy Spirit tug on your conscience or your heart this morning 
Consider what your life may look like if you added gratitude to it. Imagine if instead of spite and frustration, your life was filled with things like patience and joy. Imagine instead of anger over that broken relationship, you replaced the pain there with kindness. If you began practicing gratitude, what sin in your life would you trade? Which fruit of the Spirit would you personally see as a result? Imagine your life right now, November 26, 2023. Imagine your life right now, your relationships, your home, your mental health, if you simply chose gratitude. Gracious gratitude is not limited by life's circumstances. You know, in all stages of life, doesn't matter how young or old you are, it's possible at all stages to practice or choose gratitude. I'm going to go ahead and ask the, the praise van to, to come up here. Um, I know they normally come up when I pray. But, uh, but as they're coming up, I want to share with you a couple of ways how, how we can practice gratitude here at Stony Brook Christian Church. You know, you guys always do a good job with this one. But next Sunday, December 3rd, is Hope Station Emphasis Sunday. It's here once again. Think about how blessed your life is. And think about, you know, I talked about this last week. Think about paying it back through some kind of act of gratitude by bringing in items that Hope Station Wilson needs. You know, food items, canned goods, um, non-perishable food items, just things that Hope Station needs. Think about bringing those in when you come next week. And uh, as Mike and Gloria Fry have said and spoken about on several occasions, the folks that run Hope Station Wilson really speak highly of the hearts of gratitude that we have here at Stony Brook Christian Church. So keep up the good work and keep doing this. So bring something, set a reminder, put it in your phone, write a note, whatever you need to do, and bring something next week for that. You know, another way that you can practice gratitude is by blessing a child here or a family uh, from our church this Christmas. Uh, we want to help some kids who come to, out to our church. Uh, we want to help their parents by providing gifts for these children at Christmas time. So you find it on your heart this morning or in your heart this morning. Stop by that angel tree out there in the lobby and grab, grab one of the angels just one of the angels off the tree. Shop for that boy or shop for that girl and bring in the item or items by Sunday, December 17th. You know, in the 13 to 14 weeks that I've been your minister, let me say that I'm super proud uh, of you. And it's been so awesome to lead you as a pastor. You know, I believe Stony Brook definitely has a gracious, giving heart full of gratitude. I mean, just look at the 150 shoe boxes 
that were collected a couple weeks ago for Operation Christmas Child. But my friends, I pray that your personal lives, it's great that we do this as a church, but I pray that your personal lives also reflect that. You know, I'm about to pray. And after the prayer, uh, I'm going to go ahead and make myself, uh, you know, down there in front of the communion table here. But let me tell you, if the Holy Spirit has been tapping you on the shoulder this morning, I want you to come forward. Because, man, what, what an opportunity here is still Thanksgiving weekend uh, to come down to be prayed for and to fully receive God's grace this morning. Because grace, God's grace, comes from salvation. And here at Stony Brook, we believe that salvation comes from being immersed into Uh, the holy waters of baptism in this pool behind me, below that cross. And Joe told me it's warm uh, this morning. Uh, But don't you want to live life at its fullest, full of gratitude, full of charis, full of Eucharistia, full of grace, but you only get that through salvation. If you feel the spirit tapping on your shoulder this morning, I invite you to come forward, Uh, but let's pray. God, we love you. We just thank you so much for just another reminder. You know, I'm sure a lot of us in this room have heard the event, the story of the 10 lepers that Jesus healed. None of them went about their way. They went and showed themselves to the priests, and who knows what they were thinking or, or doing after that. But one came back and received that ultimate healing, which is salvation. God, we thank you so much for that gratitude of receiving and giving. God, I pray that all of us again will have that same mindset that we will live a life full of gratitude in everything that we do, whether it's around people we know or it's around people that we don't know. We learned last week that if we do this, that we can unite this divided world that we live in. God, uh, I thank you just personally for this series how these various messages have not only touched my heart, but I believe, God, that they have touched the hearts of these congregants here at Stony Brook. Let's live it out. But God, I I, I pray that your spirit has been working hard this morning. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's easy to slip into the, the, the mindset or the lifestyle of the, of having that atheistic heart or or having that life. But God, let us truly be living for you. Let's live with our hearts, our minds, and everything that we are. Let's live for you. God, we thank you so much for your grace. Something that we don't deserve, but you give it to us anyway. But God, we only receive that grace through you and salvation through you. So again, just be with us now. If anybody needs to come forward this morning, I pray that they do so. God, we love you. We pray all this in your name. Amen.